This is the position that I think Viking fans have been talking about for years. I, I think that they're in line for uh, a high caliber starter that's going to fall them at 22. This is potentially the most significant and fascinating Vikings draft I've been part of in my 18 years calling games for this team. Hey, Viking fans, welcome to episode 35 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Cy Amundsen. I am joined by producer Jay Nelson from Vikings.com. We are one week away, Jay, from the 2020 NFL Draft. We got a monster of a show to prepare you for it. We're bringing in Paul Allen to talk about some quarterbacks in the draft and just give his general musings on the process. Ben Lieber is going to break down O-line, which is the position almost everyone is talking about. And then our good friend Chris Corso is going to introduce us to the latest member of the Vikings Entertainment Network family. Uh, Jay, unfortunately, former Vikings quarterback Tavares Jackson passed away on Sunday night. And and before we talk about him as a player, uh, I think obviously everyone here at the Viking family would like to extend our deepest condolences to Tavares' friends, uh, his family, his fans, and everyone affected by his passing. I mean, this, this is a guy who... Not only not only was a guy who started for the Vikings for a while and played for a while, but he was he was just a guy on and off the field who represented this level of po- like positivity. He was such a great teammate. I always think back to when Brett Favre came here. He'd been the starter off and on for the past couple years, and there were a lot of people in his camp. And he was such a he was such a positive teammate, even though his role changed. Yep. And that that never changed for him. He was a wonderful guy in Seattle. Was it was a, a a big part of their locker room support as they won a Super Bowl. So it's it's a huge loss for the NFL community, and it's it's obviously a huge loss for everyone who. New Tavares. Yeah. So like when I came in here, I, I started in 07, which was his second season in the NFL. And and at that time, you know, Coach Childress and the offense, they really loved him. This guy was a really big locker room guy that everyone supported. And you could see that this week after the news had come out that an, his untimely passing and you saw it you know, Lieber and Greenway and and even Brett Favre coming out and talking about what he was like in the locker room. He worked super hard, had a great smile. It, it really kind of somewhat reminded me of, of a lot of the attributes and characteristics you heard about why people love Teddy so much when Teddy was here. And he's one yep. of those guys that he worked really, really hard to try to pick up the position and to try to be the leader that everyone needed in the locker room. And, and you could tell once he left here, he went to Seattle and then to Buffalo for a cup of coffee. And he ends up coming back to Seattle in 2013 and winning a Super Bowl with them. And you saw guys like Russell Wilson coming out talking about how just how big he was in the locker room and how great it was to have him there. So really was a huge loss for them and for the NFL community in general. Yep. Great teammate, hard worker. And like we said, our condolences go out to all of his family and friends. Um, transitioning from there back to football, uh, speaking of the time that Tavares was on this football team, uh, Jay, with no real sports going on, the networks are playing old stuff. And this past Monday night, ESPN replayed the 2009 Vikings versus Packers Monday night football game. The first time Brett Favre 
faced his old team. And I, you know, I, I, during the shutdown, I miss sports, but I've also been happy to, I, I, I haven't been so desperate that I needed to watch old stuff. I thought, and then I turned this on and I was glued to every minute of it. Like it was real until it's something that strikes a nerve, strikes a chord and it's a positive thing. And you're just like, I have to watch this because there's so many parts of this game that you think you remember until you actually watch it. And once you actually start watching through this thing and you're finding some of these nuggets and highlights, you're like, Oh man, I forgot about this happening and that happening. And the fact that Jared Allen was an absolute terror in that game was yeah. awesome. On you know everyone was talking about Brett Favre, but that defense also in that game came to play that night, and it was incredible watching some of those highlights again on both sides of the ball. It was a lot of fun. It's so funny to see the old Metrodome. Yeah, I, I know that's that's a weird thing to say, but it's funny and fun as much as the Metrodome was not an ideal place to probably play and even see a game, there was a charm about it. This big, like, honkering, crowded, like, hub. So it was kind of fun and fond to see it on TV. And then let me give you a strong take, Jay. No one will ever let me be in charge of anything. But if I was in charge of anything at the Minnesota Vikings, I would want to be in charge of our jerseys and I would always make us wear those throwback jerseys. I'm there with you. Always. Yep. It's uh, to me, they shouldn't even be throwback. They are so sharp. They are so clean and they look so great in them. It it, it is just, they're, they're beautiful uniforms. So Kyle Rudolph the other night too, as the game was going on, was tweeting out saying, whoever needs to hear this, we need to start running these things again. And I, I, I'm, I love the throwback jerseys. I think they're fantastic. And to see a, you know, Favre walking out, they've got kind of the ISO shot of him on the sidelines pregame throwing, and you just see how sharp that helmet looks and the jerseys and everything. It really did take me back, and it re- really put a smile on my face. I think we definitely should do that. You know, there's one anecdote I can I can throw in was a little later in the season when we were on the back end of the year, um, Favre saw Washington with the purple jerseys with black pants, and he's like, oh, we should do that too. And so everyone is kind of we've talked about that in the in the in the background and everyone kind of goes eh, it's a little too close to the Ravens but the players pay attention to that kind of stuff and that 09 game really just kind of brings it to the forefront of how cool those jerseys can look and I think the more we can do that kind of thing the fans love it the players love it I think it's going to be awesome if we can do that moving forward it was a crazy game and it was not just throwback jerseys it was so interesting to see Adrian Peterson in his Prime. You remember, oh yeah, Bernard Berrien, Vasante, Shanko, Sidney Rice, and one of my favorite all-time Vikings to see Antoine Winfield yes. take, take a ball the other direction. It was just really, 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 really fun to watch, and it was just a really a, a feel-good thing. So I, I'm at the point where I, if they keep showing classic games, I've decided I was wrong and I will watch every single one of them. See, it, it doesn't matter to you until it's yours, right? And then once something strikes a card, you're going to watch it. I, I, I'm i excited for for the uh, the Bulls documentary that's coming up here from ESPN. Oh my gosh, yes. Kudos to them for, for being smart enough to move it up a couple months when everybody's watching. And I think if you were able to do similar things like that on some of these classic NFL teams too, I think moving forward, those would be primetime, gotta watch, documentaries that they'd be putting out and that 2009 season would be a prime candidate for teams to look at because that was such an incredible year that week four Monday night game was coming off of the Favre to Lewis last second touchdown 
the week yep. before against the Niners, and the the building was electric. Like you said, the Metrodome itself. Certain games, when you walked in the door, it just felt electric. It felt like everything was off the charts. And the Metrodome was one of those places that you could just feel it everywhere. And that was exactly one of those games that the, the Jared Allen four and a half sacks, Adrian Peterson going nuts, Favre throwing darts when he had no chance on certain plays. There was one play I think he probably you probably could have counted to like eight Mississippi or nine Mississippi. And he finds Jeff Dugan across the middle for like 20 some yards on a dart. And you're like, what is happening right now? And the very following play, he hits Bernard Berrien down the sideline uh, for a touchdown on the very next one. And Favre is as animated as you've ever seen him. And you know, he wanted that game so bad. It was such a big game to him because it was the first. And then tack on the game at Lambeau later in the year was just cherry on top of the Sunday. It was fantastic. It was a great game. If you're a Viking fan, there's a documentary out there, and it, it the concept of the documentary sucks a lot, but it's really fun. I believe it was called The Missing Rings. Yes. Years ago. I can't remember if it was Fox Sports or ESPN. You'd have to search for it. You could probably find it on YouTube. It's called Missing Rings. It was about some of the best teams to never win a championship, and the 1998 episode yep. for the Vikings of Missing Rings. It, it'll bum you out because of the end, but it is so well done and it's such an incredible trip down that memory lane. Uh, I would I would suggest all Viking fans as we sit around and wait for sports to come back to watch that one. That one, the the most heart-wrenching thing for me in the, in the Missing Rings one is listening to John Randall at the end. Yeah, and, it's and the worst. He, he's it, And he's one that in the past he's talked about it too very, very minimally. But he's talked about that one was the one that broke his heart. And he's always said, I'll never go to the Super Bowl unless the Vikings get there again, because I I just that was his shot. That was that team shot. They they earned it. They deserved it. It should have been there and it didn't happen. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a very, very well done documentary. And I, I just like you, I highly recommend it. Despite that heartbreaking end, it is it is a really, really good watch. Uh, now let's move from a really good watch to a really good listen because Jay, it is draft time. I, I, speaking of waiting for sports to come back, everybody's obviously through the roof about getting this NFL draft going. We, Jay, you and I, as we've been doing stuff for Vikings.com, uh, draft preview videos and all those things, we've been able to, uh, convince some of those guys to take part in the podcast so we're going to rip through a couple of great guests here, and we're going to start it out with Paul Allen. Paul was nice enough to give us some of his thoughts on a few of the QBs in this year's class uh, for our draft profile breakdowns, and then uh, we were able to snag him to stick around for some of his other thoughts on the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, he was pumped to be here, so let's take a listen. Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen in front of his fireplace. The draft is coming up. And Paul, I know I work for VEN and Vikings.com, but I can't shake the fan off of me. I'm so excited for the draft. I'm talking to Chris Carter. I, I'm going to ask him. Yeah, I can't wait to talk draft with him. Let me be a fan to you, a guy I've been listening to forever. What? Where are we going? What's the direction here? I, I, I can tell you six things I want to have happen in the first round, but what do you think the approach is going to be? Well, also with your ever-expanding resume, don't forget you are the official, unofficial social distance correspondent for my 9 to noon radio show on KFAN, right? Probably the top of my resume, yeah. 
Well, I mean, to uh, to predict what they're going to do with two picks right now, it's impossible at this moment. Uh, now, the need for a cornerback, in my opinion, absolutely is there. I would, you know, offer a friendly wager with one of their two picks that it will be a corner. Don't exactly know who. Now, with the other one, it's interesting uh, because of the the nature of this offseason side. And, you know, they Rick could trade up, Rick could trade back. There are so many different things they can do to find an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, maybe a defensive end. What are you going to do with that dig spot? Are you going to look to fill that uh, in round number one with, uh, you know, maybe uh, the next Chris Carter? Who knows? I mean, you mentioned you're talking to number 80. Well, this draft is so deep, and there are going to be. Okay, now you got those Alabama kids. Cool, man. You got Lamb. Good. You got all the right big prominent names. Probably will be great. I'm telling you right now, buddy, there are going to be three to seven wide receivers taken in this draft from rounds two on who are going to be unbelievably good. So do you need one in the first round? Preferably, personally speaking, I'd prefer to wait. But uh when, the, when they get done with their picks or whatever transpires on the first night of the draft side, you're going to be very, very happy. Ben, and you, you hit it on the head. The other thing that we don't – this team is so close. I, I've been saying to people the thing that excites me is it's, you know, we lost a few veterans, but it's a restock. It's not a rebuild. You're just, you're just getting some more weapons. Uh, uh, having two for us, that pick, and I don't speak for anyone clearly, but that – Pick could find another veteran somewhere in the league. You just having 12 picks and so many up high yeah. and a guy who's had such successful drafts, there's just so many opportunities. Yeah, man. It's it's like I mentioned, the truncated nature of the offseason where, you know, I'm not going to sit here and like be Dr. Paul Allen and try to predict when training camp's going to begin. Is there going to be a rookie camp? I ain't going to be that guy for you, Cy. But I can tell you they're supposed to be at optional uh, off-season workouts right now. So that already has gone here. So it's my belief with, say, I don't know, man, say you've got three, four, or five weeks to get ready for a season, uh, a regular season game. This is fascinating to me because the Vikings and Spielman are so good with college free agents and deep draft guys. Is this the season you really need to get those guys? And I'm not circling my proverbial wagon around one season, but I'm saying if you only have a few weeks to get ready for a regular season game, are you really going to spend a ton of time on all these college free agents, sixth and seventh rounders? Maybe because they've hit on them and they've won games with them. So Rick is known for trading back and amassing picks. Uh, in this quirky year, Cy, I, I'm not ruling out anything from anybody moving up, moving down. But one thing is for sure, the offseason is going to be dramatically shortened up to the regular season. And off what you said, the continuity of all the guys who have returned, you bring in Michael Pierce, you bring in Tajay Sharp. They have redone, re-upped, and re-signed their own, or some have been out. But that's okay, because continuity and consistency this time of the year, uh, you can hear a member of the Green Bay Packers over in the background trying to, <laughs> trying to infiltrate my Skype. Uh, continuity and consistency are really good. The Vikings have that. It's going to lead them to some wins. 
I love it. And if you think I'm not going to refer to you as Dr. Paul Allen from now on, yeah. just because you got the doctor hair, man. I it's, do. I'm, it's, it's going that way from now on. A, I ain't got the doctor check. B, I don't have the doctor <laughs> degree. And thirdly, in the NHL, you have the elite play-by-play guy, Doc Emmerich. If I'm right with my prognostication about anything I just said to you, then it's Surgeon Allen. <laughs> I love it. Uh, You're the best, dude. Thank you for sticking around with us. We will see you draft weekend. Am I right? Yep. Be around all draft weekend. Radio show KFAN. First round of the draft. Always love doing anything for the Vikings Entertainment Network. Super, super excited for this draft because the Vikings are good to very good. And this is the potentially the most significant and fascinating Vikings draft. I've been part of in my 18 years calling games for this team. Wow. I mean, that's that's a statement. I, I love that. I'm the surgeon. The surgeon, Allen. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> See you, bud. That was Paul Allen talking to yours truly about quarterbacks and the draft. Well, let's move, Jay, from there, which is a quarterbacks. I love always talking about quarterbacks, but it's not on the top of the Vikings need list. So let's let's move to the position that a lot of people feel might be the offensive line. Hot topic every single year. I don't know what you're talking about. This has always been something <laughs> fans are very level-headed and cool, calm, and collected about. The offensive line is something that's never, never controversial. So going into this well, year, it's good to know that it's never going to be a thing this year, too. Well, we had the beautiful and wonderful Ben Lieber on to tell me who he thought were not just near the top of that offensive line class, but were the sort of guys that fit with your Minnesota Vikings. Right now, I'm joined by Ben Lieber. And Ben, we today are talking about the position that it feels like Viking fans have been talking about for a long time, offensive line. This is the position that I think Viking fans have been talking about for years. And the Vikings have addressed it. They have uh, gone after offensive linemen, specifically center. Fans just still aren't happy. So here we are. Um, with a big position, and and it is a position of need. And the, and the good thing is, because of that of that second pick now in the first round, I, I think that they're in line for a, a high caliber starter that's going to fall them at twenty two. Well, and the thing that people don't understand about offensive lines is it's not an overnight process. You know, I know I think people like it when you have the big free agency signing, but if you look at what's happened in the last couple of years, uh, you know, Garrett Bradbury, Elfline is here, and Brian O'Neill has just emerged as a stud. You have young guys who are growing. So you you know at a certain point if you can hit on another pick or even two, you could really be growing something for the future. You can add one guy and that makes all the difference. And I'm not gonna say it was just one guy last year, but I think you take away some of the, that interior pressure from last year, and this was a hell of an offensive line. So I, I know that we we want to look at this thing and say our offensive line is 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 in a, a need for a major upgrade. Well, an upgrade, sure, but it's not like we need to go in and, and address all five positions. I think we go after uh, a first rounder with either 22 or 25. And if it's the right guy at the right position, he can make all the difference and uh, and really calm down and settle down, especially that interior offensive line. Uh, and you sent me a list of guys that you love. And uh, so why don't we jump right into it? So the way I, I sort of broke it down to you and I'll break it down to the fans that uh, I will preface it with this. 
you may think that either the best offensive guard or one of the best tackles, there's just no way that we're going to be able to get that player because we're so far down the draft board. Well, here's the reality. When you look back at the last five drafts, on average, at pick 22, you're going to get the third best offensive tackle in the draft. And you can get, and it's happened recently in the past, the number one offensive guard in the draft as well. Just because you're at pick 22 and there are uh, some really highly talented guys, don't think that it's automatically, oh, it's we're not going to get that guy. Yeah, you may not get number one or two, but as far as an offensive tackle goes, if that's where the team is leaning, then you could get possibly the third best or fourth best guy. And in this draft, those type of guys are starters. So I'll, I'll start with there. If the Vikings are looking for a left tackle, uh, the way that, that I have them sort of in order is Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And then you get Mekhi Becton, who's just a behemoth of a guy. Uh, gigantic, and the Vikings fans will love this. He's he's often uh, compared to Bryant McKinney just because of his size and strength. Uh, Austin Jackson from USC, uh, and then Josh Jones from Houston. So those four guys, I would say, out the top three are all first round talents. Josh Jones, in my opinion, is probably more of a second round talent. Uh, if you look at right tackle, these are guys that primarily made their hay in college at right tackle. Yes, you could probably move them to left tackle if you want, but I wouldn't say in the first year you'd do that, especially if we have a truncated offseason. You've got Jedrick Wills out of Alabama, Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia. Those two guys probably classify as far as first-round talent. And then somebody might be saying, well, what about Tristan Wirfs from Iowa? Well, Wirfs, yes, did play right tackle, but he's most likely going to slide down to a guard position. So I have him as the number one guard in the draft, which, again, at 22 – could be there, maybe a little unlikely had the number one guard stay on the board all the way to 22, uh, but he could be there depending on other team's needs. And then you have Lloyd Cushenberry, the center. Uh, he played at LSU, and Tyler uh, Biotish from uh, Wisconsin. He's also a true center. Those are true centers, which he, they're on the list. Could they make the transition to guard? Yeah, probably, but those guys primarily played center, but I put them on there anyway just because they're athletic enough. If they need to, they can slide over to guard. Well, let's circle back on a couple of the guys here, Ben, because Andrew Thomas, a guy that you identified at left tackle, one of the things that stood out to me is he is a freak athlete for that position, it seems like. Well, he's got the ideal size, uh, six foot five, 315 pounds. He's lean. He's 315 pounds sounds big. Uh, yes, by weight, it's big, but he carries it really well for on a six five frame. I, I really, when I was watching the tape, it was hard to find a lot of negatives about his game. There's always something that's maybe is, is glaring, like, oh, his, his footwork is sloppy or, oh, his hands are lazy. This guy seems like he's the real deal. Like, he really seems like uh, he could be a pro bowler within the first couple of years and an all-pro soon after that. Uh, was a freshman All-American. So right when he stepped on campus there at Georgia, freshman All-American. Two-time All-American after that. He's powerful. He, he plays with heavy hands. You know, he, he's, like I said, really impressive with his athleticism. And, he, and the thing, again, that I think most coaches really appreciate, he plays with an edge. You know, there's a little bit of nasty to his to his game. You know, he finishes through the play. He just doesn't block his guy, and then he just kind of moves on. He's going to block the guy all the way to the whistle and sometimes beyond. So 
He's got a great edge about him, a great mentality. He seems to check all the boxes when it comes to athleticism, and he's got the power to go along with that uh, that uh, the pretty lean frame. Let's jump back over to Tristan Wirfs from Iowa because he was he and correct me if I'm wrong. He's the first true freshman to ever start for Kirk Ferentz. Is that correct? Yeah, that was uh, that's something you know. Ferentz has been there forever, you know, yeah. and and to, and to hear that he's the first true freshman uh, to ever start kind of blew me away. And, and I think it again it goes to show you um, how talented he is. Uh, another one of these. I know I know Mike Zimmer loves these wrestler types. You know, when you look at you look at Elfline and Bradbury, both of those guys were wrestling champs in high school. And Tristan Wirfs is another one of these guys that. Played at a high level of football, but then also transitioned to the wrestling mat and was a state champion his senior year. So he understands leverage. He understands hand placement. I think wrestlers naturally just have uh, a good sense of body awareness. And you can see that in his game. The reason why I'm, I would like to see him more as a guard, I, I don't know if he has the the NFL athleticism footwork-wise to be a tackle. Uh, I saw him sort of trip over himself a little bit here and there, get knocked off balance a little bit. But I think sandwiched between the center and a tackle and working a little bit more of a tight space, I think he has less margin for error, or I guess a, maybe a greater margin for error with his footwork. And uh, But still a big, powerful guy. Uh, great overall, just like kind of lateral movement from side to side. Um, so I, I like you know, works with his, his makeup and what his mentality is to be a guard. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Let, let's talk about Austin Jackson, the kid you mentioned from USC, because the thing that stuck out to me on him is that he both comes from a pedigree yeah. and yet still has like this nasty streak to him, which the, the, you don't always see both of those things. Like one thing you had mentioned is he seems to like excel as the game goes on and get nastier as the game goes on. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, you look at a guy, and I'll and I'll just kind of um, kind of bounce back to Makai Becton, who we didn't talk about, but Makai Becton, you know, we can maybe get into him a little bit, but he seems to wear down as the game goes on, and he's a much bigger frame body. But you turn on Austin Jackson's tape, and it's like I don't want to say this as a, as far as a negative, but he sort of feels out in the first the first quarter of the game. He's just not going through the motions. But you can just see him sort of getting a feel for the the edge rushers, getting a feel for the defense, and then all of a sudden in the second half, he it's like he hits another gear, and and he's so he seems very well conditioned. Like you said, he he plays with a lot of edge, uh, plays through the whistle again. You know, has a I, I think one of these guys that maybe is not as technically sound, but then once he gets his hands on you, he latches onto you. Guys have a hard time getting around him. His feet can get a little tangled up. He can get a little high in his stance sometimes in his pass protection. But at the end of the day, he's ultra productive. And the guy just scraps and claws uh, through through every whistle. So I also like his frame. He's six foot five. Uh, he's got the length that you're looking for. At 322, he's got a good, a good weight and a good frame. Uh, so again, I, he's not quite uh, as talented as Andrew Thomas. But I think he has the same sort of makeup and plays with the same nasty that he plays with as well. And sometimes with offensive linemen, that's that's what you need. And when you see a guy who's played for 14 years, you might have some incredibly talented dudes, but you also have some guys who just played as hard as they could the entire time. Yeah, and I, I think with, with him especially, because maybe he's not as technically sound, 
you can sort of learn all that. It's not like these guys have to be 100% polished when they get into the league. Yeah, it's nice that they're polished and they know what they're doing, but they're going to get uh, a little bit better coaching. They're going to have more time to focus on the fundamentals because they don't have to worry about the college life with with certain amount of hours they can put in and they got schoolwork and they got all these other things to worry about. You're in a professional schedule. And it seems like with his pedigree, um, you know, with with his grandfather playing at USC, playing in the National Football League with the Packers, the guy just sort of gets it. So I think I give him maybe the highest upside when it comes to some of the tackles that are available. Last one for you. You, you put two centers on your list, Lloyd Cushenberry and Tyler Biadish. Obviously, this team drafted Bradbury incredibly, I think, the highest center they'd ever taken in the draft last Mm -hmm. year. It's unlikely that we would look to change course at that position. So which one of these two guys, since they're on your list, do you see having the best chance of transitioning into the guard spot? Well, I like Biotish's size a little bit more. If you're going to be a guard, I, I would like to see you, you know, right around 6'4", where he's at. I feel like Cushenberry, though, is just the better player. And, that, and that's, I know that might fly counter to what the awards say, because Biotish won the, the Remington Award for the best center in the league last year. When I watched the film, I think Cushenberry is just more athletic. I think he gives you a little bit more. I think he anchors just a little bit better. I think he plays under his feet a little bit better. I think his hand quickness is a little bit better when he comes to hand fighting. So, you know, there's something about Lloyd's game, and maybe I'm, I'm not doing it justice as far as articulating it. The eye test to me looks like Cushenberry is the better player than Biotish. Well, and I, I agree. And I think given the sort of offense that this team runs and how we've leaned towards guys getting out in space and being athletic and getting up the field, he seems like the right sort of fit. People had a lot of those same concerns about Brian O'Neill being a little trim, being a little, you know, not maybe league ready in terms of traditional size uh, and, and strength. And look how that panned out. Yeah. And that's the thing that's tricky about all this is, you know, we, we have these metrics and you have this, this idea where these guys are going to fit and some of these guys sink and some of these guys swim and, and O'Neill's one of these guys that really took off and they're like, okay, maybe he doesn't fit the height weight boxes that we got to check. And maybe he doesn't fit this category, but damn, that dude competes his butt off, man. And, and he took to coaching really well. And I think that's the other thing that we talk about the intangibles all the time. And yeah, we go to the combine and you want to run and jump and all this other stuff. And, and Tristan Wirfs is going to blow people away with his, his physicality and athleticism. But when it comes to just having a football mentality and being a football guy, well, that's what Brian O'Neill is. That's, I think that's what puts him above some of the other guys that tested better than him is he just wants it more. You know, he's just a, a grimy dude and he's, he's what an offensive lineman should be. And that's why I, I try to look at the style of which these guys play along with some of the measurables. And that's why I like a guy like Austin Jackson who should be, who should be there at 22. Excellent. Well, Ben, as always, this was as good as it gets. Thank you, buddy. That was Ben Lieber on the offensive line. And Jay, even though we just gave you two good interviews, we're going to put a little icing on the cake to end the show because the Minnesota Vikings and the Vikings Entertainment Network has a newest member. His name is Gabe Henderson, and he comes to us from the Washington Redskins, an incredibly talented dude that you guys are going to get a chance to know through the Chris Corso interview, and then you're going to get to know even better as you start seeing and hearing from him. He's a great addition to the squad here, and I know you guys are going to love him, so let's let Chris Corso take it away. 
Hey Vikings fans, this is Chris Corso here with the Vikings' newest employee um, of the Vikings Entertainment Network. It's Gabe Henderson. We're actually on Skype right now. Uh, Gabe is actually still in Washington, D.C., is that right? That's right. That's right. So I'm quarantining here, staying at home. I wish I could be in the Twin Cities right now, but with everything going on, we're just relaxing, hanging out here, my wife and I, and just, I guess, just packing up now, just trying to plan all of our plans that we've had kind of got canceled so it's just like hey let's just keep making new plans to keep us busy so <laughs> so we want to introduce Gabe to the Vikings fans because you'll be seeing a lot of him going forward at the Vikings Entertainment Network he's our newest producer slash talent he'll have that dual role so he'll be doing a lot of things behind the screen as well as on the screen I think the biggest thing that jumps out to me is that you worked for the Washington Redskins before this. So tell the Vikings yeah. fans a little bit about what you did over there and, and a little bit about your background. Yeah. So you want the long story or the short story? All right. I'll tell the long. I think they <laughs> want it. They, I think the Vikings fans want it all. So um, born and raised Raleigh, North Carolina, um, huge, huge, huge Tar Heel fan. So I will not take any Duke slander. Um, went to Liberty University, played football there, um, came in as a quarterback, moved to receiver my redshirt sophomore season and finished my career there. A lot of people are familiar with the name Turner Gill. He was runner-up for the Heisman, um, but he was my head coach my last three years of college. Wow. And wow. just learning from him, learning um, his, you know, his coaching style, how he you know, incorporates offenses. I, I really had a good grasp of the game, but moving from there, major in broadcast communications. Knew I wanted to do something in the sports broadcast field. Um, didn't know exactly what I, I, I love. Uh, being behind the camera, that was my passion uh, coming into it. When I was a kid, I used to sneak out of uh, church at the age of five and go to the video room and actually um, like try to control some of the, I guess, the cameras to find whoever was sleeping at church and like wow. hope with hopes of <laughs> getting that on an actual broadcast. So like I always, I always loved, you know, cameras. So at Liberty, um, after football, I, I worked out for a few teams. Um, the Redskins, the Lions, the Cardinals, and I just knew my passion wasn't in, you know, the game anymore. It was more so on the storytelling side. So, like, I, I, a lot of guys have that, you know, I still want to play that itch. Like, I literally just lost the itch for playing. I was like, you know what, I'm going into storytelling. Ended up getting a job back at Liberty University in their sports department. And um, while I was doing that, I uh, got my master's in sports management. I was like, man, maybe I could try to combine sports and, and broadcast and hopefully have a career in this field. So fast forward to um, my time at Liberty. I was there for two and a half years and then got a job with the Redskins um, as a producer. So I'm doing a lot of behind the scenes work there. And my boss came to me one day. I was like, hey, man, you really talk to these players like these players really like you. Like you, you should, you know, start doing some more on air stuff. And I'm like, cool. Like if, if you if you feel like I should. All right, fine. So. After, you know, doing my first interview, oh man, who was my first interview with? It was with um, Doc Kirk Walker. Cousins? Kirk was, Kirk literally left in that April. I started in August. So I was like, man, I literally missed him. So hopefully oh, by the wow. time I get to uh, D- I'm get to Minnesota, he's still there. And I'm just like, hey man, I've been following your career. But I was doing some behind the scenes work and they got some on-air work done. And my, my boss was like, hey, you should really start pursuing this. This is really, you, you really got a talent for it. So with the Redskins, I just more opportunities presented itself and on air opportunities. And I, we started this thing called Redskins Park Drive, where I would take guys around in a golf cart, just asking them just silly questions. And I just put a camera, uh, a GoPro in the cart. And I was like, hey, you mind if I record this conversation between me and you as I drive you into the building? 
And he was like, yeah, well, everybody's like, yeah. And that just became a hit and it just went from there. So with the Vikings, I'm hoping to not drive guys around in the golf cart, but, you know, just have some fun with these players, show these guys personality. Uh, like you said, I'm a producer here. So being able to produce and actually being on camera, um, being able to con combine the two is a, is a passion of mine. So I'm just looking forward to continuing to, you know, tell these stories. But the Redskins played the Vikings last year. Thursday and night football. Thursday night football, Adrian Peterson's first game back in Minneapolis. I just remember the atmosphere and the fans. Everybody was nice, but it was loud. It was crazy. And I was like, man, this is this is what you call an atmosphere. This is what you call a fan base. Not no shade to the Redskins because they have some diehard fans there also. But just being in a dome and just how everything's set up with the Vikings, I was like, man, I would love to be a part of that team. Fast forward maybe six, seven months now, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to Chris Corso on there the Vikings podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. So tell Vikings fans a little bit about what you can offer um, from just being on, on air. And I'm going to be working with you a lot, which I'm super excited about. So Me too. Um, what, can, what can Vikings fans expect? Just anything you can give Vikings fans to look forward to. The main thing you can look forward to is just seeing these players' personality and opening up just from playing the game for so long and having an understanding of, you know, locker rooms and X's and O's. Like, I'm not going to dive too much into X's and O's, but just having a general knowledge. And, you know, coming in as a quarterback in college, you have to know everything that's going on. So once I played quarterback and then moved to receiver, like it, the game just got so much, it, it got so much slower because I knew everything that was going on. So actually, you know, bringing that with, you know, some comedy, I, I love comedy, I love live comedy and just, I just want to have some fun. I think, you know, right, well, right now, um, the Viking on the Vikings website, my interview with Alexander Madison's out and, you know, I just try to get him to show a little bit of his personality. So that's a, a, a little tidbit of what's to come. I think right now, since it's only week two for me, it's more so, you know, getting, starting to see these players first and, you know, understand the team and what works and what doesn't and go from there. But one thing I can assure you of it is that we, there will be some fun content. Like, a lot of fun. These guys will have a lot of fun. And that's what the Vikings fans love, and that's what I've seen over the years of producing and managing content for the website. They love seeing these guys show off their personalities when it's off the football <laughs> field, um, really showing who they are. Now, you mm. are a huge fan of live jazz music, which is oh my which gosh. is awesome. I'm a music guy myself. Comedy and boxing. That is the combo right there. Tell us a little bit about your hobbies <laughs> um, outside of we, – we've heard a lot about football, so give us a little bit outside of football. So my wife and I, one of our favorite things to do is go watch just live music. So we saw – oh, man, she would have to tell me the date. But I think it was around um, Valentine's we saw Nat King Cole's brother perform at Blues Alley in D.C. And Oh, wow there's just like random like it'll be a random weekend and we'll just look up hey who's who's playing this weekend and that, that's just something that i'm really drawn to and then while i'm looking that up i'm looking at i guess dc improv in, in the case of of now and i'm just looking at who's who's coming to town because we just i mean we just love getting out in the community and just laughing just enjoying local artists local things i know many minnesota has a very diverse community so we're just looking forward to just getting out there and just learning learning the scene i hear minnesota is well Minneapolis, well the Twin Cities. I'm, I'm learning my lingo here, so <laughs> I'm learning that the, the, the Twin Cities has have a has a good you know, re good reviews for cuisines and you know live music. Of course, Prince is from was from uh, 
the Twin City. So I'm just yep. First Avenue, that's the uh, the live music joint uh, down yep. in downtown Minneapolis that you'll have to check out. I watched Purple Rain for the third time in two months yesterday. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, and um, boxing. Um, I love boxing. Love. I don't know what it is about boxing. I'm a big boxing any, guy too. I like UFC, but boxing is just that, that's my thing. The sweet science, man. So I just I know those really don't have a correlation or an affinity between those three, other than live music and comedy. But I guess it's a good balance, right? That's for sure. You also are a huge, you grew up a huge Chris Carter fan, which is yeah. amazing for Vikings fans to hear. But I want to ask you about your time with Adrian Peterson. What was your time mm-hmm. like with him in, over in Washington? I tell people all the time, Adrian Peterson is the most humble superstar I've ever met. And I haven't met many superstars. Like I've seen him, there, there was a media reporter in DC, quick story, and she was walking from the facility to her car and Adrian Peterson just had to, he had, he was just pulling out of the, he was pulling out of the parking lot at the same time and literally offered her a ride, got out of the car, picked up all of her bags. I'm just like, what star running back does that on a random Wednesday? And just seeing what he does, he's what, 35 years old now? And my first year with the Redskins, his first year with the Redskins, he rushed for a thousand yards that year. Well, he said it himself. He's, he left 600 yards on the ground. So just being able, so just having the opportunity to be able to see what he could do at this age is crazy. And the fact that he still walks in with a pack of donuts, a 12 pack of donuts and chips and pizza every day, but still can bench 400 pounds and run a 4-3, it's crazy. You don't see many people like that every day. Yeah, I think that was like the biggest blessing for me. Uh, My first year with the Vikings was 2015. And I had like just graduated college, and then a couple days later, I'm in the cafeteria looking at the uh, the rushing champion for that season, um, Adrian Peterson, who I always looked up to as a uh, growing up over in New York. So, um, yeah, Vikings fans, this is going to be an awesome hire for the Vikings Entertainment Network. Like I said, I'm excited to, to work with Gabe, whether it's on some of our podcast content, behind the camera, on the camera, wherever. I think Gabe is going to be a huge addition um, to the Vikings Entertainment Network. So thank you, Gabe, for joining. That was awesome. That was Chris Corso with new Vikings Entertainment Network edition, Gabe Henderson. Well, Jay, that's going to do it for us here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We're one week away. So we're going to come back. We're going to try to get an episode out early next week, right? With a, with, with a final draft preview. That's correct. It's kind of like uh, we're, we're one week away from Christmas at this point, and hopefully come early next week, we'll start to hear some more rumors and rumblings about what gifts are going to be under the tree. So let's get back here again next week, give us our final thoughts, and then see what the heck actually transpires. It's going to be fireworks. It's going to be electric. It's going to be awesome. And coverage is wall-to-wall on Vikings.com and all of our social media platforms. You can check out our our draft preview breakdowns and quick extra side plug here. Uh, If you're listening to this on Thursday, late in the day Thursday, we're going to be releasing an episode of Vikings at Home which will be a, an at-home, full-length show hosted by me. And we are lucky enough to have uh, both Chris Carter and Mike Golick Jr. 
from ESPN on the show. Uh, Jay pitched in, the wonderful Mike Harris, Candace Anderson, uh, Jesse Marquette. A lot of people pitched in to make this show uh, look as great as it could uh, given the situation, and it's something we're really proud of. If you like any of those people or the draft, tune in. Uh, it'll be all over Vikings.com. I think you'll love it. And we will uh, see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening.